Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The Champions League is back and we have so much to talk about. David Wiener with you for this episode of The Gagan Pod, joined by John Aloisi and Thomas Sorensen. So much to talk about and we're going to kick off with Atletico Madrid versus Liverpool. Yeah, how damn good is it to have the Champions League back midweek here on Optus Sport? We've had a great morning so far with Atletico Madrid holding the advantage over Liverpool and Borussia Dortmund holding the advantage over Paris Saint-Germain so far. John Aloisi and Thomas Sorensen have been good enough to stick around for this week's Gagenpod. Gents, John, to you first. Your reaction will start in Spain. Your reaction to Atletico Madrid holding the 1-0 lead over Liverpool. Brilliant result, especially for Atletico Madrid and also for the, the neutral because now the, uh, the the tie is at least open because if Liverpool won that, we know that at Anfield they will go win comfortably. So I still fancy Liverpool to go through, um, but I thought Atletico were Im- immense defensively. Centrally, they, they were really good. They forced the ball out wide uh, for Liverpool and Liverpool struggled to create chances. Yeah, no, I think you, you're spot on. Um, you know, I think we saw that energy and uh, everything that embodies uh, Simeone's sides, uh, you know, just, a, you know, from the first minute, really, a uh, little bit of a surprise that came out, uh, high press, put Liverpool a little bit on the back foot and Klopp spoke about, you know, the importance of, of Liverpool being ready for the fight. And I think the first five minutes they were overall a little bit and then they concede from a from a corner you potentially can look at some sloppy defending or at least not as aggressive as they should have been and uh, so pops up and and gets them a one nil lead and, and the crowd is right in it from from that point on and the, yeah just the the passion and the structure and and, and the game plan work to to their advantage uh, for the rest of the game hey they've never lost when Sale scores so that's a pretty good omen for them and he's a big game player now i think five knockout goals for atletico madrid but john uh, the, the valencia game on the weekend you just sensed in that game that that intensity that had been missing from atletico madrid this season was back it was almost the perfect tonic for today and it kind of felt like almost like a last stand because there's been so much criticism of Simeone or speculation that this might be it. I think it's been really unfair that they've been criticising like they have, especially the supporters really got on his back during this season. And Look, we know they're not the most exciting team to watch. They don't score a lot of goals. They still don't concede many goals. Um, but you were right. The, the Valencia game, you really saw uh, Atletico Madrid start to find their intensity, um, the way that they used to play under Simeone and they brought that into this game and um, what they did do a lot better than what they did on the weekend they defended well from set pieces and um, you you could see Simeone really up for this game but he's not only just up for this game that's Simeone that's the way he coaches now the players probably don't hear him on the pitch but he gets the crowd going he gets he gets the atmosphere up because he knows that gives energy to his players and um, he did that really well today and um, but I expect Klopp to do the same mm. 
go uh, come Anfield time. Klopp had a little glint in his eyes, and that he, he's normally his post matches are quite interesting because he normally takes everything in his stride. But you just sense today he was almost starting the build up. From now, he's like, I'm ready for Anfield. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, he uh, he fired a few shots. I think he was like. Uh, indicating as well that Simeone would have been happy with nil-nil and that's that's how he plays and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, the, the mind games have already started and, and you know, that's, as us as, as viewers, that that's what we want. You know, we want the spectacle and I agree with you, Johnny. I think it was it was a good result for the tie, um, you know, for the neutrals. I'm sure there's a few Liverpool supporters uh, a little bit anxious who would have loved to, to have won 2-0 down in, in Madrid, but that's not the, the way it is. Um, and then Madrid... I think, you know, they are going through a, a little bit of a transformation, uh, lost some players, lost a little bit of their identity, um, moved from, from the old Vincente Calderon Stadium. And it's just something that they need to find their foothold. And sometimes these, you know, culture changes, they need moments that that going to change. If they're going to go, if they end up beating Liverpool over two legs, that could be a you know, something that brings the squad together, something that brings the club back together again and they can move forward because they are a little bit sort of in no man's land at the moment. Yeah, it's funny you say that because a lot of the actual clubs that do move to new stadiums do struggle for a few years. We've seen that with Arsenal. We're seeing it a little bit with Tottenham, um, with West Ham, with their new stadium. Um, and, and Atletico Madrid in the same position. You, you knew at Vicente Calderon, not nine times out of ten, Atletico Madrid were going to win under Simeone. Now, in this stadium, they still win their home games, but they're not as convincing. They're just scraping through. In La Liga, they're actually drawing a lot of home games, which is unlike them because they're normally... You can guarantee they'll get three points there. So, yeah, it is taking them a little bit of time to get used to their new stadium. By the way, speaking of... um, You know, you said the criticism of Simeone has probably been a bit harsh. Uh, They've only lost, I think, four games this year. They've just drawn more than you'd expect. Um, Everyone talks about Guardiola. Is he up for the rebuild? Do you think Simeone's got another haul in him, like you mentioned, Thomas, of um, creating that new identity? Definitely. Simeone, you can see that he's still got energy. He's still, you know, he's one of those coaches that it's very hard to be that long within a club. But he also played at that football club. So he knows that football club back to front. He knows the supporters back to front. I think where the frustration with the supporters are is that they're not scoring enough goals. Um, but that's also down to personnel. You look at Morata this morning, he had two golden opportunities and he missed them both. Now, you know, an informed Diego Costa or an informed Morata should be putting those chances away. So that doesn't always come down to the coach. It comes down to individual quality. Mm. Um, but I think he's still got a lot left in him. And why would he want to leave on the money he's on? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the first, the most highest paid in the world by a distance, which yeah. is an interesting surprise if those numbers are accurate. Hey, and no Antoine Griezmann in those areas too. So he's had to come across, and no Joao Felix at the moment as well. Um, Klopp, Liverpool, were you surprised that they didn't fire a shot on target today, despite how good Atletico Madrid are? And what did you see that you think they can, that they, uh, they have to do at Anfield to get that, another famous European night there no first of all they can take the energy from the crowd the history uh, you know we talked about a new stadium in, in Madrid you know here they have Anfield the, the, you know everything that goes with that and, and that brings a lot of respect from the opposition as well and um, you know I think if Madrid doesn't come with some sort of attention of trying to hurt Liverpool if they just bank in and, and, and sit there and defend I think Liverpool at home will have way too much for them to uh you know, to, to be able to cope with for, for, for another 90 minutes. They did well 
you know, tonight, I think they, they uh, you know, we talked, you know, we talked about defending, had a clear structure, plenty of people in the box, kept a, a nice block, always outnumbered Liverpool players in, in every sort of area. Uh, but at Anfield, it's, it's going to just be a different dynamic. And uh, I think Liverpool will uh, go out and, and comfortably, you know, win 2 or 3 nil. I think that uh, what Liverpool need to do, it, you saw that the chances that they did create when they were getting crosses in was uh, the Salah one. And that's when they caught Atletico Madrid out a little bit, a little bit disorganised, which they weren't too many times tonight. And the Henderson one, that's because they had bodies in the box. If, you're gonna, if they're going to allow you to go wide and allow you to get crosses in, then you need to get bodies in the box and more bodies, not just one or two. You need to get three or four. And then that's it. You saw, I think the Salah opportunity was when Van Dijk just stayed up a little bit after a set piece so you know they started to worry about another player rather than just worrying about a Salah and a Firmino or a, a Mane you know there's another presence in the box so that's something they have to look at if you'd like to see that uh, defensive analysis that Thomas was referencing that's on the Optusport app or on the Optusport social channels where the guys pick out on the post game show how they set up in that block just looking before we move on um, the, the date of the next game which will be uh, before a Merseyside derby and about a week, two, two games before uh, Liverpool can claim the Premier League earlier than anyone else. Does that have any factor in it, in your tips at all, before I get them? No. <laughs> no factor at all. Liverpool going through? I still think Liverpool will go through. I, I think that, you know, we've spoken about at length already the history of Anfield. What it does for the opposition as well. They know they're going to Anfield. They know that uh, Liverpool beat Barcelona 4-0 there last season. In the back of their mind, also, uh, Atletico Madrid lost the second leg against Juventus, which they didn't really show up. So there's one thing that they need to do if they're going to have any opportunity in getting through is actually show up and have the same intensity, have the same fight that they did tonight. Can they do that? Yes, but I still think Liverpool will be too strong. Well, that's going to be the first one of our games. I know Thomas has said they'll get through as well. What about Borussia Dortmund against Paris Saint-Germain, where we were expecting maybe five all. It ended up being it was a really interesting first 70 minutes. Defensively, you could tell both managers, you know, the stakes in the game. They set up really a lot, a lot more defensively sound than many people were giving them credit for. And then the last 20 minutes, wow. The Erling Haaland show. <laughs> yeah, he's a... F- uh, phenomenon, uh, you know, again, 19 years old and, and scoring for fun. Uh, and and I just love the, you know, he didn't have the greatest games. Um, we talked about it on, on the show that, um, you know, he, a few misplaced passes, a few, you know, sloppy... Chance as well. Yeah, yeah. a few f- f- sloppy touches, not really getting strikes on goal. And then he just pops up. You know, he links up well for the first goal, gets it out wide, the cross comes in, and he just lurks for the, for that one opportunity. And actually, a great finish. You know, as a striker, John, I'm sure you'll say that, you know, if he just pokes at it, Navas saves yeah. it. And he actually directs it high up into the net and over him. And uh, it might look easy, but uh, to me, that it, it, it takes uh, confidence and, and ability to, to be able to recognise that. Yeah, and it's also confidence when he's not having a good game, like you said, that to, to still believe you're going to score, still believe and, and actually get into goal-scoring positions because he wasn't really involved that much in the first half. It, it, it looked like um, that he was playing a little bit without confidence, but he didn't stop trying. And the second goal, you know, we talk about the first goal the finish and it, it was a good finish because he was stretching at it and he still needed to direct that high but the second goal was all about his first touch 
just to get it out of his feet, away from his body a little bit, so he could actually have a good strike at the ball and... Um, what a strike that was. I mean, let's set the scene. I mean, it is outrageous because it's one all in a round of 16 knockout tight. It's your European debut for your brand new club. He scored on his cup debut for his new club. He scored on his net league debut for his new club. He has 11 goals in seven outings, having come from the Austrian league, a teenager, the first player to get the double digits as a teenager in the Champions League. John, he is a freak of nature. How do you get so good at 19? <laughs> Well, yeah, it's obviously he's um, he's worked on his game at a young age. He's athletically he's a beast. Yeah, he's he's very tall, very mobile. He's quick, but his touches are, are very good as well. But um, what a smart move, though, going to Dortmund. Now he he could have he had the opportunity to go to other big clubs throughout Europe, but he whoever's advising him, and I'm sure that he would have close people advising him, like his dad that um, this is the best next step for him to keep on improving as a player and, and developing as a player. And Dortmund have done that in the past with so many good young players. And um, and I think that this is just brilliant for him. And and one thing that, that's stuck by me was the interview he did after the game, actually. And, and you know, just the way he... He came across, you know, because the interviewer was trying to sort of prod him a little bit and, and try to get him to pick himself up. And, and all he was focused on, I need to get better. I need to, to get back on a training field because, you know, otherwise, you know, I'm not going to improve. And, and just that attitude, uh, keep yourself grounded and, and, you know, not know that you're the finished product. But that's, you see that with young players, especially, mm-hmm. you know, you get carried away. Everyone is, is, is on your back and tapping, you know, clapping, you, you know, and telling you how great you are. And, it's easy to get complacent and he looked very focused on his path and where he wanted to go and, and to get there, hard work is needed. How good can he be? Because I couldn't help but watch him do his thing and then watch Mbappe hit back straight after the first goal, surgeons of the box, tee up Neymar, 21 years old. Uh, and I couldn't help but think that these two guys might be the head-to-head goal-scoring battle we're going to watch for the next 10 years. Yeah, different types of strikers. I think Mbappe's got a little bit more about him in terms of you know being able to dribble past players and set up goals like he did for Neymar. Um, whereas I think Haaland is an out-and-out goal scorer. I think that he's that typical uh, Van Basten type that he can link up and he can because of his physical size, his, uh, his pace. But um, anything around the box, he's going to score goals. How good can he be? Well... I think that he can be one of the best strikers, if not the best striker in the world, in terms of as a main striker. You know, we can't compare him to, you know, an Mbappe or or now a Messi or a Ronaldo because different types of players, and they still score a lot of goals. Haaland's going to be a goal scorer his whole career. Mm. We're looking for a rivalry for a generation because there's there's one that's coming to its end. Could this be it? <laughs> yeah, potentially. Um, you know, again. Um you know, he is uh, a player, like, like Johnny says, that, that can go a long, long, long way. Um, and, but I think he's, a, he's also a player that, that he needs a good team around him. You know, he's not a, 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 a player like Messi, a player like Ronaldo, who can by himself elevate a team. Uh, he needs the service. He needs the balls in the box. Uh, and he's going to finish them off. So, so I think, again, this, the smart thing, you know, the, you know, the advice that he's been given, I think it, it is fantastic that he just doesn't look at the paycheck he looks at where's the best opportunity where's the best path for me and 
And, uh, you know, so far you can only say that it's been a fantastic pick of, with Dortmund. And the way Dortmund actually play in terms of, look, they're very good on the counter. We know with Sancho, with uh, Torgan Hassard and, and also Harlem being so quick. But then also if, if a team does sit off, they've got that, uh, um, that width that their uh, wing-backs give them in Hakimi and Guerrero. And so they do create a lot of opportunities and that's where... You know, someone like Haaland, which they were crying out for. Mm. Because first half mm. of the season, Dortmund weren't really hitting their straps. In the last six games, they scored something like 25 goals. They've been unreal to watch. And they're brilliant to watch yeah. and, and just the goal-scoring machine. And, and that helps him, of course. By the way, Haaland's lucky Mineral is his agent because that means he was never going to go to Manchester United in that window. So <laughs> he, definitely got, he definitely got steered in the right path there. So Dortmund, you mentioned the improvement. They've got the advantage going to Paris. They're four points adrift in the Bundesliga. Bundesliga. Where does their season go from here? Do you think they can they can take that next level with Haaland in their side? Definitely. You know, I think uh, you know they're going in the right direction. I think they're in a driving seat in in the tie against PSG. You know, they they should go to Paris with the confidence that they can score and and go through. Um, yeah, are they a, a favourite to win the Champions League? I think there's several teams in front of them, but you know, when you can score goals and, and when you got the players that, that can hurt you. You always got a chance, and and um, you know I think to, they looked defensively a little bit sounder, mm. you know, uh, today and and has been of late. So that that's a massive boost because that's where they've struggled a little bit, I think. And uh, yeah, no, it's I think it's it's uh, you know it's on the up, it's uh, an ascending uh, season. On the flip side, how big is the fallout going to be if Paris Saint Germain go at this point for the fourth year in a row? Oh, players will go, Tuchel will go. Um, I actually think the fallout will be massive because they've set up this team to go and win the Champions League. And if they don't, which it's going to be very hard for them to win the Champions League anyway, but um, look, I still think the tie is open. Uh, you know, the Paris Saint-Germain will be quite confident that at home they could get the result, but I think Dortmund will be happy with their result. So, you know, both sides and the, after the game would be quite happy. I, I know you never like to lose, but you know, you've scored that away goal, you've only lost by one goal, you've still got the likes of Mbappe, Neymar, Cavani was on the bench, Icardi was on the bench, Sarabia was on the bench, so they've got a lot of players to bring in that can score goals for them. It's, it's very open at the moment. It's so brilliantly poised but the flip side of that as we conclude and I get your tips for who goes through is while those players are bombing forward there's just Sancho who might be running the other way Torgan Hazard started today we saw uh, Reina Giovanni Reina the other teenager come off the bench um, who do you think posts the big threat and who do you think goes through no I think we we saw today Sancho especially like first half he was running the show I think he uh you know, a tremendous pace, one-on-one. Um, you know, Navas pulled out a, a great save to deny him. Uh, could have had a goal. You know, he's a, he's just an exciting young player. And, um, you know, <laughs> I find it hard. And I think, we, uh, sadly, again, we're going to stand here and talk about a, a missed opportunity for PSG. I think they, again, will come up short. Uh, you know, they've got a, a great list of players on paper, but there just seems to be something missing. And I think defensively, they're not sound enough. Uh, to to win the Champions League, sadly, um, you know it's great to when we watch uh, Mbappe and Neymar and, and even today we, we saw them, you know you know they're great players, but um, you know you need a great team to win the Champions League. 
fascinating stuff. We'll see those return legs in a couple of weeks' time. And on Thursday, do a touch on this briefly in case you're listening to us on Thursday after the game's been played on your drive home or to work. But, of course, we have Tottenham against RB Leipzig and we have Atalanta against Valencia. Uh, Son's injury, massive blow for Tottenham. But I just can't believe what the draw does, how you've got Nagelsmann up against Mourinho. It's such a perfect matchup. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the future against uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say the past. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want you to say that. That's why he wants to. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's, it sets it up. You know, Mourinho loves uh, you know him against the world, and and for him to come out, you know, it's an opportunity again to for himself to to put himself in, in focus, and he needs to come up with a a new tactical plan now. Um, you know, again, Son has has been the, the the go-to guy with Kane being out, and and he came out big at the weekend with with a couple of goals, and you know that's it's a huge blow to their chances. I see because you know Ericsson went in the transfer window, you know they're just lacking options, and uh, you know Mourinho even coming out and said that the young parrot, uh, you know, he's not good enough. You know, so where does that leave him? Um, is he trying to set himself up for some sort of uh, genius uh, master stroke? I, I don't know, but uh, it's going to be tough because Leipzig are uh, doing really well. Do you think Leipzig, because uh, I was really interested by the game against Bayern, where they were actually a lot more cautious than I expected them to be. Do you think they'll be like that tomorrow or they might try to take it to, to, buy, uh, to Tottenham? Yeah, you know, they they might be cautious because they're actually good on the break. Yeah, they, they're, they're very good on the counter as well. Against the Bayern, yeah, they they did uh, sit off a little bit. They made it hard for Bayern, but they had the better chances. They should have won that game, especially right at the end. And Timo Werner should have scored. Um, so yeah, look, I think that um, Nagelsmann knows that you you don't just win off the first leg. You know, it, it can set you up uh, for the tie. But um, so. It will be interesting to see because he's a very smart, astute coach. Oh, 32, you have to be to get to where he's got to. Well, that's right. And, uh, you know, he showed that uh, Hoffenheim, how well he did. And now with RB Leipzig playing some sensational football, scoring a lot of goals. And, um, yeah, it's going to be a good matchup. Atalanta Valencia, this is the tie where everyone wants to get the winner in the quarterfinals. But be careful what you wish for. Valencia are inconsistent, but have had some big results. And Atalanta are a joy to watch. Who do you fancy? <laughs> Yeah, I think that one is is really up in the air. I think it's it's two teams that can hurt hurt uh, the opposition. Atalanta obviously exciting, playing uh, you know great attacking football, scoring goals, but also leaking at the back. Um, you know, I think uh, Valencia and Rodri up up front, you know, can can always you know score goals. He's he's been really good this season. Um, you know, it's it's a tight one. I think Atalanta uh, for me. Uh, We'll, we'll probably go through because I think they've just got a few more options than Valencia. Yeah, I'm the same. I think Atalanta, they started the season a little bit slower than what they finished last season, especially in the Champions League. How they got through <laughs> after the start they had and conceding all those goals. I think he's actually started to get it right defensively and, and have that right balance of all-out attack and, and not worrying about the back. You know, he, he's they're not conceding so many. They do score goals. Their leading goal scorers in the Serie A. You know, you've got Ilicic, uh, who's been superb. You've got Sabata, that's just come back from injury the last few weeks. He's a beast up top. He scores goals, but he also brings others into play. He's a handful. Valencia have been very inconsistent. You know, they they should be challenging for Champions League. They're, they're not really there. They had a decent game against Atletico Madrid, but um, I think 
one player that will be important for them is their captain Parejo in the midfield because he actually he starts to play for them and so he's going to be important in this game. Yeah, cracking matchups there. Yeah, we'll talk about Syria in a bit, but you just feel like there's a there's a bit of magic in the air around that competition this year. So maybe they've got a fairy tale representative in Europe as well. We'll turn our attention to Friday. We'll just go through because there's a truckload of games in the Europa League. I'll pick out a couple of highlights. Club Rouge at 5am hosts Manchester United. Simon Mignolet, of course, up against Manchester United there. Uh, FC Salzburg, we remember from the Champions League, they go to Frankfurt. That's also at 5am. Will Tom Rogic play. Celtic travel to Copenhagen. That's also in the early kickoff. Getafe against Ajax. That's a really interesting game. Form team from Spain against the team that many thought would still be in the Champions League right now. And Inter Milan go to Ludogorets. Get your alarms early on Friday morning. Oh, there's big teams on early doors. And a little bit later on, of course, we have Wolverhampton Wanderers hosting Espanyol at 7. And Australian James Holland, LASK Lask. They go to AZ Alkma. Uh, by Leverkusen host Porto. And, of course, Olympiacos host Arsenal. That'll be on at 7am and a feature game as well. I'll just ask you who you fancy, guys, early doors. It's a bit of a lottery for Europa League. But um, let's throw one out and let's throw one and see if the mud sticks. What do you reckon? Oh, there's definitely a few. Obviously, the English sides uh, uh, historically have done really well in the Europa League. Uh, you know, you mentioned Inter, Ajax, uh, huge prize today in the Europa League still, uh, you know, not in the Champions League. So, you know, it's anyone's guess, but I think, you know, Ajax, uh, you know, they'll have a tough tie against Getafe. But, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, the, the youth there, you know, they lost a couple of players, but still a, a very good side. I think they, uh, they will go a long way in this competition. Very hard to say because you, you don't know if Inter will just have their mind set yeah. on winning the Serie A and so take their mind a little bit off the Europa League. You wouldn't think so. You'd think they'd still want to go uh, through this competition and, and try and go all the way. But, uh, yeah, the English sides are always going to be there or thereabouts. You know, you, Arsenal should get through this tie. Man United should get through. So there's, um, I think the English sides will be there at the end. In competing for the title, Tosso will get through and get a contract for life if he wins the champion, if the <laughs> Europa League. Well, both those tips are better than mine on the last day of the Europa League, where I tipped uh, FC Salzburg to be the fairy tale, and then they went and told Minamino and, and Haaland. So I'm absolutely no chance of pulling that one off a little bit later on. Rightio, then give us an answer. Okay, guys, back to this little game. We haven't played it together for a while. Bridgie's been hogging all the all the finish these sentences for the last few weeks, so we'll get some work we'll some punchy answers this time. And I'm going to start off with the story that's sort of dominating the, the, the front pages, if, if you will, of, of sport at the moment. And uh, I'll ask you, Thomas, if you are De Bruyne and Aguero, a Sterling and so on, right now you are... Concerned. I, I think, uh, you know, again, you know, Man City would, will, will fight this uh, to the end. Uh, you know, they've got p- powerful people behind them. And, uh, you know, it's a grey area in the UEFA rules. And, um, but again, uh, there's also damage, damaging uh, evidence uh, of what has been going on. And, and if there are, you know, uh, irregulations and then they have, uh, you know, uh, done, done stuff with their books and stuff, you know, it has to be, um, you know, it has to be punished. So I think they'll be watching it very carefully because it, it's potentially players in, in at the height of their career. You want to be playing in the Champions League and, uh, you know, to be banned for two seasons, you know, when, when you should be wanting to, when you want to win stuff, uh, especially the Champions League, uh, that that's something. I'm, if I was in their boots, I would definitely be concerned. It's interesting the CEO Serrano has come out and said, well, supposedly said to the players, we trust you on the field, trust us. 
So he's trying to take the pressure off and saying that, you know, look, don't worry about it now. Uh, you organise what you have to do for, to play football and, um, and we'll sort this out because they still believe that they're going to get away with it. I don't know exactly if they will or if they won't. But then Guardiola's also supposedly said that he will stay no matter what league they're in and uh, he'll see out his contract. So at the moment, they're all saying the right things. They're saying they're going to stick together and they're saying that the players will end up staying but if it does go ahead and they've got a two-year ban, will the players like Sterling want to miss out on Champions mm. League? You know, it's a, it's a big competition. It's a competition every player wants to play in. It's, it's the biggest in Europe. We saw it with Juve, the way they had a core that stayed in Serie B and it got them back up. Um, but that sort of, the light at the end of the tunnel was quite clear. Keep the quality, get back up a year later. This is peak of your career where you're potentially not going to be striding out at the level you, you want to be. And you said, trust us. We're going to go off and, and challenge it. But effectively, rules are rules. So are they challenging the very notion of, of what they've actually been done? It's a big moment because if City do not win the appeal, they're almost back to pre-Mancini in a way if these players decide to leave because they're going to have to build themselves back up and get back into the Champions League, perhaps while attracting players knowing they're not going to be in the Champions League. Yeah, I think actually it's, it's a big landmark case for, for football in general because... You know, I don't think it'd be great for football if you bomb Man City back to the Stone Age as well. You know, so UEFA, you know, because it's it's a you know the the way I understand it, it's a little bit of a grey area. There, there's there's obviously rules, but they're very sort of you know they're not very very clear, and and it's sort of all judged on a case to case basis by UEFA. You know, we've we've seen Man City has obviously been uh, you know had some some punishment in the past and other clubs have but you know where does this two league two years in the Champions League where does that come from does that actually you know do, do you do you want to really hurt Man City and, and, and kill them off or is it a personal thing or, or where where does you know where does this judgment come from that and, and where is the, the, the long term picture you know yeah you want to punish them but you don't want to you know Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com they're a huge, huge club for English football, and you know, and, and we've seen clubs in the past. You know, Real Madrid been supported by the government. Yeah, I know the government. They were in huge debt. The government bought their training ground, which was probably worth five quid. They bought it for five billion, you know, to help them out of their pr- troubles. So these things have been going on, you know, before. Uh, and is it good or bad? You know, that's uh, that's 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 a, that's a question, but. You know, do you want to destroy a club, um, which this potentially could, um, if the then the, you know the um, the owners say, okay, we've had enough and we'll pull the plug. You know, then uh, yeah, interesting stuff. What do you think? The the only upshot to that is, if City win their appeal. Doesn't say much for the governing body getting trumped by a club. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> and look, if if they're appealing, that they believe they're going to win the appeal. So you know they're saying that uh, UEFA didn't get independent. They didn't actually do their uh, job properly. And um, yeah, it, it won't look good. I I don't think it's going to 
look good either way, whatever the outcome is. If uh, City get kicked out of the, the competition for two years, I don't think that's great. Not for uh, City, but not for football in general. And if UEFA get uh, uh, beaten in terms of the appeal by a City, it doesn't, you know, what confidence have the, the rest of the clubs got in UEFA? Mm. It's interesting stuff, really interesting stuff. Hopefully we can concentrate on the football, but you can't ignore it because it's going to have huge consequences. But I tell you who is cheering. Uh, Leicester, Chelsea, Tottenham, Sheffield United, Manchester United, Wolves, Everton, Arsenal, throw them in too, Burnley. I think Manchester United cheering the most. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think they should probably, you know, hold it back a little bit. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it, it definitely, look, and, and, and again, they, they should be punished for sure. Um, Severity, I think it's it's um, what's up for question. Um. So a load of que- two loaded question. Um, when I ask you uh, who England's four Champions League participants will be next year, I'm kind of get, getting your guess on who will be the second, third, fourth, and fifth place. But you're also kind of saying whether or not you think Manchester City will be there next year as well. Well, at the moment, <laughs> we'll say that uh, they win the appeal, and City will be there. Leicester will be there, obviously Liverpool, and the fourth place is well that that one. Chelsea looked like they're trying to throw it away. Um, Tottenham now with these injuries, with now Son out and uh, and Harry Kane, they haven't really got an out and out goal scorer. They need to rely on Lucas Moura actually stepping up and scoring most of the goals. Uh, Sheffield United, who can write them off in in the way they've been going? Man United getting that win against Chelsea the other night. You, you know, you think that they might have an opportunity of you know if they can actually be a bit more consistent. It, it, it's too hard to say who that fourth place will be. It's very similar to last season. No one really actually stepped up yeah. to take that fourth place. You know, Arsenal threw it away. They only got one point out of the last five games. So interesting how it's going to go towards the end of the season. It's actually great with Liverpool running over the title, notwithstanding even City being in or out. The, the math, it's really tight. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you know you've got to look at, at the excitement and Liverpool, you know, there's not much excitement there in who's going to win this title. But, but yeah, you know, it's anyone's, um, anyone's game. And if you can string together a bit of consistency you know, into the end of the season, you know, you, you got that in a bag. And, you know, for me, something just tells me that United will uh, creep over the line and, and get that four oh, spot. Okay. Um, it, it won't be great if Burnley get in. Turf, turf more <laughs> on a windy. <laughs> get Real Madrid up there. I don't know <laughs> if I want to see Real Madrid go to Burnley to play. And look, I like Burnley. I think they've done amazingly well, but it, it's a fairy tale story. What about going to Bramall Lane? Yeah, Bramall Lane a little bit different uh, to Burnley because Burnley, look, they're very direct and they, they do play a certain type of football. I would say Sheffield United a little bit different. in the you know It's interesting to see how he sets up in, in the way his uh, back five set up and the way they play out. And, and you know, who, who can say that they're not going to make it? I think they've been probably one of the more consistent sides in that league. Mm. Well, one of the... Consistent size, but not in a good way, has been Chelsea. Uh, and their loss at home to Manchester United means that what was once, I think, a nine-point breathing space to Champions League positions is now down to a solitary point with Tottenham breathing down their neck ahead of playing them this weekend. So huge stuff there. But I'm going to ask you, John, finish this sentence. Mishi Batshuayi is... He needs 10 chances to score one goal. <laughs> Um, he, but we saw that at the World Cup as well How many chances he misses And uh, he always gets into good goal scoring positions And he is physically a strong player And, and you're not saying that he's not a great player Because he is 
But um, at the moment, he, he hasn't got that confidence to be that goal scorer that Chelsea need. And um, I, I think that he has to um, actually go for Giroud. You know, I, I know it's difficult, and we spoke about it, Thomas, um, this morning, actually, that we're saying that, you know, Frank Lampard, you know, he doesn't really like him as a player so it's hard then to say oh you know I, I didn't select you but now I'm going to because I really need you and how much is a player going to fight for the coach but you saw the other night when he came on against Man United what a difference he made all of a sudden he, he's, he's got his back to goal he sets up uh, Kovacic uh, for one-on-one with a goalkeeper then he has that header that he scores and he's millimetres offside he, he I think that he he needs to be given a go. Yeah, for sure. I, I think, uh, you know, some sort of out of necessity, yeah, they wanted him out of the club, but I think they need him. Uh, that, that Just that physical presence and, you know, just something that, the, you know, for, for the defenders to, to, to worry about. And, and he's, uh, you know, it's a little bit like Costa, you know, it's like just a big body in the box that, that you know, that, yeah, it's not a, you know, like a He's not a prolific goal no, scorer. No, but, but he, you know, it's, he's been criticised in the mm-hmm. past and for France at the World Cup yeah. where he hardly scored and, uh, but uh, you know, you sometimes um, you know you think in the situation there, and that that's what they need. Mm. They, they need that, and then the other players can feed off him. You know, they 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 young, talented, uh, quick strikers. Um, you know, but but he will get a few goals that could potentially and should have had a goal the other night. Yeah, he brought other players into the game straight away. A bit stiff on Bashuai to pick out one player, but in a way, him coming in, just his fifth start since signing for Chelsea in 2016-17, it's all been farmed off left, right and centre. It kind of sums up where Frank Lampard is with his selection right now. Tommy Abraham goes down, and, and that's really what he had at his disposal. Oh, here's a good yarn. But in that game, do you see Harry Maguire's little subtle little... Leg reflex, let's call it, on a bit Batshuayi in the first half, which, of course, Frank Lampard singled out as the turning point because if Harry Maguire was marched by VAR, had they looked at it, um, of course, he wouldn't have been on the field to score that winning goal. Um, first of all, just your take on that. How, how does he stay on the field with, with VAR? Incredible. Uh, you, you know, you think if the referee hasn't seen it and he's missed it, surely the, the fourth official and has seen something or one of the assistant referees and if not any of them the VAR has seen what's going on and because look I know it's a a reflex action they might say but he has lashed out and and he's caught him so for me that's a red card I, I don't understand how he stayed on the pitch and then to make matters worse he goes and scores his first Premier League goal for Man United which was a great header and, uh, and win the game. So you can understand Frank Lampard being frustrated, but I think he's more frustrated that he's not getting the results. They're, they're creating opportunities, they're creating chances, but they're not ruthless enough in front mm. of goal. I think Paul Skoll said on the post-match coverage, if Mourinho was still in the dugout, Harry Maguire would have got... In Chelsea's dugout, Maguire would have got red because he would have made sure the referee had seen it and maybe the Chelsea staff didn't get up as, as active as that. So I'm just wondering, guys, what was the best thing you got away with in your career <laughs> like that for home play in the pre-VAR era? <laughs> No, I, I remember a game where I think we played Bolton away and it hit the bar and, and sort of there was a scramble and the ball, you know, clearly went over the line and, and I just uh, swooped it uh, swooped it back out and, and it looked confident and threw the ball straight away. And, uh, you know, those sort of things. And you got a, got away with a few nickels, you know, stepping on people's feet and, you know, a, a few... A pure so goalkeeper <laughs> stepping on the striker's and a, feet. Yeah, and a few notches and a push in the back. And, you know, those those days are obviously uh, long gone and, um, you know, good for it. Uh, you know, those things don't really belong in a game. And, and if the ball is over the line, it, it should be called. And, 
uh, yeah. I'm not proud of it, but I have to say that uh, how many times uh, defenders used to kick and lash out when the ball was at the other side of the pitch and, you know, there was no VAR. There was hardly any cameras in the stadium at that stage. It was, you know, the, uh, so you, you could get away with it a little bit. So to protect myself, I used to throw a couple of elbows here and there. So um, I remember a, a clear one was against uh, Sevilla. Uh, I was playing against Javi Navarro, who was the dirtiest player I ever come up against. And um, he was, doing all sorts uh, stepping on me pinching me and um, and so I just had a quick look and glance to see where the linesman was and uh, I saw he wasn't looking so I just smacked him in the face <laughs> with my elbow I got away with it not proud of it but it did protect me a little bit Did Navarro let you get away with it? Or did no, you scare him off? No, I didn't scare him <laughs> off because he came back for more after that. So it was one of those ones that uh, at least I got him. It was not a bad one. I can't imagine doing doing that, John. Well, sometimes you have to protect yourself. <laughs> Would you rather? Well, stay in Spain because you know what? We talked about Liverpool being so far ahead. Uh, the stars are aligning across the continent because there's a point in it. In Spain's La Liga, Italy's Serie A and Germany's, Bund- Germany's Bundesliga. So I ask, would you rather right now, would you have your money on Real Madrid or would you have it on Barcelona? Oh, that's a that's a tough one because I, I still think there's so much more upside with Barcelona because they haven't really played well at all this season and they're one point behind Real Madrid. Where Real Madrid have actually been consistent over a long period and they're still only one point in front. Uh, um, it, it, but Barcelona are lacking a striker at the moment. I I, I don't know. I, I'd rather be Real Madrid because they've got a, a, a pretty strong squad and they're quite, well, I think they're all fit at the moment. A little less chaos around the squad too. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, sometimes um, Barcelona, they like that chaos because that actually uh, gets the best out of the players. And, and sometimes they actually, you know, we'll, we'll go into detail about it after what the, the, the club have done in terms of their social media, how they're leaking things. And, and that, But I think what Barcelona players, they need something to motivate them sometimes. PK can get a little bit... Uh, uh, I would say complacent. So sometimes they need that around them to actually get them to perform. And they do end up performing when they're under that sort of pressure because that's what they're, they're used to. Do you read much into that? Obviously, yes, the club has denied it. Of course, they're going to. But it just feels like there's a lot of politics around Barcelona at the moment, even going as far as influencing Valverde's sacking for Setien. Yeah, no, both for Real Madrid and Barcelona. There's a lot of things going off uh, in the corridors. Yeah. Um, and and uh, you know it, it can be a great strength at times when, when things are going well, but but uh, you know there, there seems to be a lot of uh, you know a lot of things uh, going off in the background, uh, especially when when things start to sort of the wheel starts to fall off, and uh, you know we saw with Valverde, and now you know these stories. I don't think it's a great look for for um, for the club, but you know it's just what happens. You know the you know I remember seeing the. Uh, the documentary with uh, the English manager that went to Barcelona, um, Bobby Robson. Bobby Robson, yeah, and, and just everything that went around Barcelona and, and the, you know all those things, and you can just when imagine when was still in the it was in the mm. stadium, yeah. yeah. When you can just imagine it. what it would be like to you know to, to be part of it, and uh, but I think the players, you know, they'll take it as a hint that it, it you know that people are not happy. And uh, the fans are not happy, and and you know again they need to then show the reaction on the pitch. What I will say is that it's been happening for years, but not the social media aspect. Mm. It's been happening for a long period of time with a, a number of clubs. I, I would say most clubs throughout Europe is that they will leak certain information to journos so that journos will print it. Now whether that's to actually um, get the, the 
you know, uh, go against the players or go against the manager or go against the club in certain aspects. It's always been there. But now because social media is so strong, that's what they're using. That's their platform they're using. And, you know, if they think it's only to benefit the club. They think it's to benefit, but to protect the chairman because they, they will have elections coming mm. up soon. And then it's also to try and get the best out of certain individuals within that playing group or if they're going to sack a, a manager you know so then the, the the fans know why they're sacking him the fans will end up understanding oh, okay you know he's sitting top of the table but you know really they're not happy with him and that's that's why they got rid of Valverde because you can't go off with results mm. because he was top mm. yeah exactly and then we had the Eric Abidal Messi spat you reference Abatomu of course with the elections coming up and and the reports were that he employed a social media uh, company behind the scenes to sort of uh, talk dirt about Messi PK Guardiola Xavi Puyol supposed people who had been critical of the regime so watch this space will it get in the way of a title it might not we don't know. We don't know. But I'll go to Italy now. Would you rather? Would you rather Juventus or Lazio? I think it all comes down to, to experience and, and winning culture. Um, and I just think that Juventus, um, you know, they've been there before. They've been in, in tight races. They have that winning tradition. Uh, it's been a while since Inter have been in a title race. Uh, and when it all comes down to it, when you get to the crucial matches uh, in a in a, a you know, the weeks to come. I just think Juventus and they're in great form at the moment. They're doing doing really well. Uh, Ronaldo is, is is back on the score sheet, score sheet every week more or less. And you know, when when that happens, yeah, I find it hard to see Inter as, as champions, even though they, you know, they got a chance. But for me, it's it's, it's all Juventus. Yeah, I think Juventus. Uh, look, I, I still think uh, it will be Inter that will challenge Juventus more so than Lazio. I know Lazio beat them on the weekend, um, but I agree with Thomas that they haven't really got that experience in challenging for a title. Simone Inzaghi is doing an amazing job, but you know the, the biggest players, Immobile, they've got some good, talented players in that squad, but not really a, a side to challenge for the title. Whereas uh, Juventus, you know, you, you look at Cristiano Ronaldo and you got Iguain, you got. Yeah, Pjanic, you've got all these players that have they're serial winners. Mm. They've, they've won throughout their career and, and that, that does go a long way. And then Antonio Conte, you, you can't write off Inter because of Antonio Conte because he's another one that knows how to win football games and win titles. So it, it's going to be a close race but I'd rather be Juventus at this moment in time. They'll find a way to win as they always have, even in spite of maybe Mauricio Sarri not having the impact that maybe the, the top brass wanted but I think the Lazio fans are just enjoying the ride because they're not expected to be there and they're just a great joker in the pack. RB Leipzig, Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich are another team that just know how to win. They know how to win titles. Um, they've been in this position before when a coach gets sacked early in the season and then another coach comes in and they turn it around and they go and win the title. But what a race. And it's not only RB Leipzig. There's, there's Dortmund that's involved. There's uh, Muchen Gladbach. It, it, it's amazing competition at the moment. Amazing given that it's normally always been the one-horse race and all of a sudden it's almost the perfect storm. Um, Hansi Flick, do you think he can hold on? And if he does, does he keep the job? No, I think he should. Um, you know, I've always uh, been a believer that, especially at Bayern, um, w- with the amount of money and, and just signing the best players in the league every season, you know, it, it's all about the man management. They, they've got the best squad, I think, uh, you know, even can cope with injuries and uh, and I think he, Flick seems to have uh, regenerated them. Uh, struggled um, under Kovac earlier in the in the season, and uh, now 
you know, now they're they're back to to their best. It's it's still going to be tight though. I think Dortmund, you know, we saw them. They they've turned a corner, and with Haaland, they they can they can be a, a challenge, even though they're four points. You said four mm. points behind, mm. and uh, but that's not uh, out of their reach to to get uh, you know to to claw that back. So um, yeah, you know, but Bayern for me. Uh, if I have to pick one. Captivating stuff. It's going to be great stuff to watch, particularly with the Champions League in the foreground as well. He said what? Poor old Joel Linton at, at Newcastle United. Ian Wright speaking on uh, uh, the show on Off the Sport, Match Day Live. He said this about him. I just find it very confusing that they can say they've paid £40 million for the player I'm looking at. I don't know what I'm seeing. Now, if he isn't the most overpriced striker you've ever seen, <laughs> who is? Because let's have a look at his stats. I think it's on like 2,500 minutes. 2,040 minutes. One goal. Yeah, look, that's uh, it's not great, not great stats, and it's hard to back him. I don't want to say you know that certain players are overpriced or, or whatever else because obviously the club saw something in him to spend that sort of money, and it's like Fernando Torres, you know, from Liverpool, the player that we saw there that scored on a consistent basis, going to Chelsea for all those all that money back then and then he just couldn't score a goal to save his life, and he and he ended up being a player that you go, he's. he's doesn't even seem like he's good enough for the Premier League. And uh, so certain strikers uh, will suit certain competitions, certain clubs, certain teams, and there's other strikers that just don't suit it. And, uh, and I think Torres was a perfect example. Yeah, no, again, and I think confidence plays, you know, some, you know, and that's where I think when you recruit, you need to put a lot of effort into. So who are these, who are these players? You know, how do they deal with... Because if you've got a player who's, who's been in a club, in a comfortable and, and everything's going... When you then hit a bit of a, a bad patch, you know some players thrive on it. Other players just fall apart. And I think Torres, he was at a great, you know, at Atletico, great environment at Liverpool. Then he comes to Chelsea, and it's a different environment there. And 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 you could just see his confidence was just flushed out, you know, mm. <laughs> with the bathwater. And then there was nothing left at the end. And he left, and he felt like a, a broken man, a man that would never recover. Uh, and um, you know, you look at a. There's been a few. Shevchenko, I think, came in with, with a big price tag. Didn't quite produce. Uh, there's been there's been some some big money signings. Even you, you go further back, like Falcao at, at Man United. You can mention didn't have the impact that he had at Atletico, where he was scoring for fun. So it it just shows that different environments. You can't necessarily say he's a bad player. He just doesn't fit in the environment, or you know, lacks confidence and and can go to another club and and become. You know, or at least re- revitalize his career. You even look at Forlan uh, when he was yeah, at Man United. He, he he didn't score a lot of goals, and and and, and people were laughing, saying, yeah. you know, what kind of play? he's not a Man United player. He goes to Villarreal in Spain and scores every week, and then Atletico Madrid, and and he scores, uh, you know, leading goal scorer of the competition for so many years. So you know, th- th- there's certain players that will suit certain systems. 2010 World Cup Golden Ball or Golden Boot as well for Uruguay as well. Was, he was unbelievable there. Um, speaking of one of those, Murata looked like he was wearing a Chelsea jersey today. Just quietly, he's another one you could probably add to the, <laughs> add to the list. I heard, a, I heard an interesting interview with Ange Postacoglu during the week where he was talking about recruiting and reconnaissance and all that. And he actually said because he knows so specifically what he wants in a player that's able to whittle down the process and he doesn't actually get a Joel Linton because he knows the type of player that he wants to recruit. Look, that... Every coach uh, will have that sort of way of thinking. That they, they play a certain system and a certain style that they know what so, sort of player they need for every position, but you can still get it wrong. And, uh, and you know, I'm sure Ange has got signings wrong in his career, and I'm sure he's got plenty of them right, but uh, it's hard to get every single one of them right. The, the best 
manager in the world that who was one of the best in history, Alex Ferguson. There were signings that he got totally wrong, mm. um, but there was a lot of good signings as well. I think uh, picking a coach's mind on the art of recruiting is a podcast on its own, so we might have to do that at some point down the track. Now, I mentioned Ange because, of course, this weekend the J-League begins on Optus Sport, and you can watch his Yokohama if Marinos kick off their season at 4pm on Sunday. It's Gamba Osaka. The J-League begins on Optus Sport on Friday night at 9pm, where Thomas Deng will play, well, we hope he plays, for Euro Red Diamonds at Shonan Belmare. And then on Sunday, it's that triple treat where Piklamovsky's Shimizu Espulse hosts FC Tokyo, who, of course, ran Yokohama to that total race last year. And then at 6pm, it's Andres Iniesta with Vizel Kobe against Yokohama FC, who John, Kazu, King Kazu, I'm just going to call him, is playing at 52 years old. For Yokohama FC against Vizel Kobe. There's so much to look forward to in the J-League. That's ridiculous. We should get him over for the Fight the Fires game. You know, he, <laughs> he might do better than Bridget. Well, he will step better. No, no, I told Bridget, Bridget, you can't have another striker. Poor old Bridget's fighting for selection as it is. Yeah, well, he, he can take my spot. I'll, I'll be playing at left fullback and, and not marauding forward at all. Just sit off and uh, start the play. But um, it, no, I'm really looking forward to the J-League. I just love their competition, the, the, the way that the, you know, the technical ability that the Japanese have got, but also their foreigners. You know, we, we, we know Andres Iniesta, but there's a lot of Brazilian plays in the J-League which they seem to find that um, that we can't find mm. uh, that, to, to come to Australia. I know they're on more money and that they pay more, but there's a lot of talented Brazilians in the J-League, so I'm looking forward to seeing them. One of the things that uh, Mitch Langerak, well, I caught up with him a couple of weeks ago, to talk about the season ahead, and he said even his Brazilian teammates are amazed by the technical ability of the Japanese. It's just going to be great to have a, a different prime time football for all of us to see here and almost aspire to see what uh, what what a big Asian league can be like. Yeah, no, uh, they got you know great work worth work ethic <laughs> in in Japan and, and just the, the mentality there. You know, it's a bit like when we saw with South Korea back in, in 2002, two thousand and two, the World yeah. Cup. Yeah, you know, just the enthusiasm from the fans. You know, they. They just throw the you know all their passion at, at these players and 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 again you know good 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 atmosphere at the grounds you know the, the foreigners Podolski I think is uh, is there Van Marlen is there Vitesse Vincent uh, Kobe mm. as well you know so it, there's a lot of you know to be excited about um, and and yeah the Japanese standard of football is 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 you know it's been good for for a fair few years I have to say and. Uh, you know, it's only going to improve with the foreigners in the league. And seeing the uh, the way that Ange gets his teams to play, mm. you know, we've, we've actually been fortunate enough to see him here in Australia for a number of years and, and also um, what he did with our national team, but now in the J-League winning the comp and how he's evolved as a coach because he does keep on evolving. His teams always play a similar style of football, but he, he does change it a little bit so it'll be really good to see how he goes again this season how Pete Klamoski goes first time in uh, as a head coach you know how he he steps up to that role from being an assistant for many years under Ange so th- there's a lot to look forward to plus Mitch Langerak Thomas Deng um, Thomas Deng's at a big club who are a red so you know his development how he's going to go because He's uh, in our national team, and we need our players playing at a high level. Yeah, I'm excited by it, and I think Postacoglu's had a turnover of about five or six or seven players as well, so that'll be interesting to see how that all translates. 
with the Asian Champions League as well. So four games live or on demand every weekend on Optus Sport. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the games are spread across. But that means you've got a very busy weekend of viewing ahead of you. Once you get to the Champions League, once you get to the Europa League, and once you sit down and have some afternoon J-League, you've got to stay up all night and watch the Premier League, and it's a massive weekend coming up. Um, it kicks off with Chelsea against Tottenham, 11.30pm on Saturday night. We've spoken about both teams at length, and, and the consequences of that game is huge. We've got Crystal Palace at home to Newcastle. Burnley, Champions League aspirants, not according to Jolly Eloise, <laughs> against Bournemouth. <laughs> no, they're very strong at home, I can tell you that. They got a good away win there last week, so no, they're, they're a tough team, tough to, team to play against. Tough team. Sheffield United at home to Brighton, Southampton at home to Aston Villa. Leicester at home to Manchester City, 4.30am Sunday morning. So interested to see how City react in that first game since that news. Of course, they play West Ham on Thursday morning, but uh, that second versus third game is, 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 just a, is just a huge outing. The, your working week starts with Wolves hosting Norwich City, Manchester United against Watford, uh, Liverpool play West Ham on Tuesday morning. But I just want to end the podcast talking about Arsenal versus Everton, 3.30am on Monday morning for you because two teams who have turned a little corner and I'm just really fascinated to see Carlo Ancelotti, the, the wily old fox, go up against Mikel Arteta, who we saw the first fruits of his labour in the second half last weekend against Newcastle. Yeah, look, uh, Arsenal are improving. I think that uh, that week off that they had, they went away and, and had a training camp, and I think that gave Arteta time to really work with his players, and uh, and you saw the positive result and, and some great goals against Newcastle. And uh, Ancelotti, what a quick turnaround to, to get that team that were fighting relegation. Now they're fighting European <laughs> positions. Uh, last five games, uh, they've won three, drawn two. Um, and Ancelotti, what he does do well, he makes it simple for his players. He plays a 4-4-2. He doesn't complicate things, but they know their role. They know their job. And, and then he gets belief back into his players. And, and that's because they understand their role. But another thing that, uh, you know, he's a, he's a relaxed manager. All players love playing for him. The only place that he struggled with the playing group was at Bayern Munich. Everywhere else, they love him. What do you think, Thomas? Uh, either team, are either team genuine European contenders, or are they just looking to almost just just build back what was a really low base earlier this season? No, I think you, you you're looking at uh, just progression. You know, you want to see two new managers. You want to see the club turning corners and, and and move you know upwards and not uh, look look over your shoulder. And I think both both clubs have managed that. You know, I think it's a huge game for for the season. Whoever comes out winning this one. You know, we'll have uh, momentum, definitely, uh, and aspirations for for Europe. I think, uh, to me, I think Everton. Um, you know, uh, just in a in a better place all round. I think, you know, Atessa is still still young. Uh, there'll be something for him going back to to his old club, obviously. But uh, you know, I, I just think I'd rather have Ancelotti at the, at the helm and with his sort of experience um, going into. Uh, a, potential European uh, run uh, here at the end of the season. You do have to check your eyes a little bit and go, this is a, let's, let's settle down a bit. This is a clash between ninth and 10th, but the points in the Premier League this year does elevate that the context of it because they're on 36 and 34 points respectively. Chelsea are, of course, on 41. So results going your way, you rocket up that ladder very, very, very quickly. Gents, that's it for us today. Thank you so much for your time and, and great chat this morning all the way down to, what's the kickoff? 6.30am pre-game show. So you've been talking and talking and talking all morning, but there's worse things to be talking about than football. So see you tomorrow, John. See you tomorrow morning. And see you next time, Thomas.
Yeah, I'll be on, on uh, Scores on Sunday this weekend, so I can't wait. Fantastic. And to everyone out there, as I said, there's so much football to watch between now and the next Gagginpod. So as ever, or more than ever, enjoy your football. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.